Welcome to this bonus edition of the 360 Recruiting Podcast, presented by Sooners360.com. In this special edition, Chris Mason and Caleb Cummings are joined by Barry Wise of Sooners360.com to go over the commitment of five-star running back Taylor Tatum. We hope you enjoy this special edition. Thanks, everyone, for joining this special bonus podcast episode of the Sooners 360 Recruiting Pod. This is episode 39 called Taylor Tatum, the next great Sooner running back. So as promised, we're, we're giving you this special bonus episode to make up for our recording woes last weekend. For this bonus episode, we have regular contributor and co-host Caleb Cummings, and we have a special guest appearance from Barry Wise of the Barry and Mac Show podcast. So please, if you are not subscribed to that podcast, you should definitely be subscribed to our, to our sister show. And if you are not subscribed and following me on Twitter at CM underscore Sooners 360, you definitely should be doing that. And also keep an eye out. Barry and I also have been doing Twitter spaces during the week on Tuesday mornings usually. And so it's just another chance for you to be able to get some Sooner recruiting content and discuss all things Sooner recruiting. So thanks, Caleb and Barry, for joining me on a, on a Saturday afternoon. And let's not bury the lead, and let's just move to OU and the excitement and OU getting a five-star running back commitment on Thursday. So Taylor Tatum's currently ranked as the consensus number one running back by most of the composite services. He's number one by 247, number two on ESPN, three on Rivals, and number three on On3. And the only guys really in the debate with him are Nathan Frazier from Mater Day, who is about to commit to Georgia, not USC. So Lincoln Riley's about to take a double hit in the running back recruiting room. Uh, Jarek Gibson, the talented IMG running back on the Texas. And then the Michigan... Uh, running back recruit Marshall from the Cincinnati area, Michigan getting a big win in running back recruiting, taking a kid from the sort of the heart of uh, Buckeye country. But in general, I think, I, I think having looked at the film, I think Tatum of the film of most of these guys, I think Tatum is the, is the number one running back in the country. In my opinion, I think he'll be a top 30 on all services consensus five-star by the time everything's done. Uh, he's the best, uh, highest-ranked running back commitment since Joe Mixon. Or if you're following one set of rankings, Keith Ford, which is, which is kind of funny when you, when you think about it, because, you know, I think we all can say Joe Mixon, great running back. You know, DeMarco Murray, great running back. Adrian Peterson, obviously, the, the standard bearer. But uh, Keith Ford is like top 30 running back in the nation that OU signed. It's, it's not a name I would have pulled, uh, I would have necessarily pulled. But again, beyond just beating Lincoln Riley and USC and kind of the, the good feelings around that, Tatum could have gone anywhere in the country, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan really wanted him. And I think only the fact they got Marshall kind of removed them from this con from being a contender here. Also, I think maybe the, the baseball thing would have eventually, I think, come back and hurt uh, and hurt Michigan. So. That's setting it up. This is an exciting time. Big commit. DeMarco Murray's biggest commitment since he took over. And I think really establishes DeMarco Murray as a top five running back coach in the country, both development-wise and recruiting. So, but 
you know, you guys didn't come to this podcast just to hear me talk about how great I think Taylor Tatum is. So Barry, I'm going to let you go first since you're the guest host, the, the guest on the pod. Give us a little bit of your, uh, your opinions. You put, wrote up a great feature on our website. If you guys are not on Sooners 360, Barry's been doing analysis on the last, uh, last couple of OU commits. Great breakdowns of Jaden Jackson, Zion Reagans, and now Taylor Tatum. Just information, you're just the kind of in-depth, detailed, strength and conditioning, sports science analysis that no one else on the Sooner internet recruiting web is doing. So I've, I've just given Barry enough, uh, uh, enough accolades there. So, so Barry, go ahead and give us your... Give us your initial your initial uh, dime talk on Taylor Tatum. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, um, one of the things that, that that I do and to give people an idea of the feature is um, I, I call it basically I watched every play of and I just kind of pick out a random handful of games and, and I will sit there and every play that Tatum um, does or, or Reagan's whoever it is. Well, we're looking at how that player performs in the game. What is their behavior on the sideline, right? What are they doing when they don't get the ball? So it's very in-depth, sometimes highlights, and I'm sure Caleb can agree with this, kind of gives you a, a false sense of who a player is. And when you watch Tatum, you know, I can see why he is ranked so lofty. Um, I also see some things that he probably needs to work on that I think DeMarco is almost too perfect of a coach for him. It, it is it is exactly what I think he needs for the type of player that he wants to be. Um, when I watch Tatum, immediately, every single play, it makes me think of Kennedy Brooks. I know people are going to say Kennedy Brooks, you know, he was, you know, not a top flight first round NFL talent like you hope Tatum becomes. But Brooks was a great running back. And it also really makes sense as to why Riley wanted him so bad to run the system, the run game that Riley does a lot of the, the GT counter and some of the things that really take time. You have to have a back that is special with patience, vision, being able to discern space, understanding angles and, and Tatum plays like a pro. Right. When you watch him in the backfield, one of the things that, that I saw, he's not the he's not going to just hit the gap, which is what a lot of younger running backs do. They they here's the whole go get to it as fast as you can full speed. He's a guy who understands what the linebackers responsibilities are, what the DB's responsibilities are. And, and in one of the plays, he takes what really for most backs probably would have been maybe a two yard gain at most and turns it into almost a first down. And, and all he does is take a little kind of faint step to the left. And then he still gets back to that, that pulling guards inside hip and, and is able to follow his blockers up the lane. And, and what he does is he forces that linebacker's hand. He forces him to, to follow the back. He forces him to read where he's going and stay with him. But Tatum knows where he's going, right? Speed wise, he isn't a burner. That was one of the things I noticed in watching the tape. Uh, I know there was, you know, maybe a few takes out there that, you know, between him and Durham, you know, they're both elite, but but they're both going to be fast. There is definitely a step difference with acceleration, uh, more specifically um, when it comes to to Durham. Uh, so so they are different players. That being said, Tatum's top speed 
he's still going to hit that 22, 23 miles per hour, which is really enough in in D1 college football. You're definitely going to outrun linebackers. You're going to outrun outrun a large percentage of your safeties. So I don't see you know that being tackled from behind when you have a home run play ahead of you really being a massive issue for him. Uh, I, I think he's got the speed. If he does hit the cutback lane and there's nobody there, I think he can take plays to the house. Certainly, you know they um, Longview used him in a lot of different ways. He played a uh, slot receiver. Um, same side, the tight end, they actually ran a lot of two tight end. It's, it's a primarily, um, a run heavy scheme. Their quarterback is not a fantastic passer. He, he's just okay. Um, and that's part of why I would love this season to see if QB improvement, uh, gives Tatum a little more work in the past game where you can see some of the route running a little bit more of him catching the, catching the ball from a blocking standpoint, does some things really well. And I won't go too deep into that. I, I touched on it in the uh, in the feature that I wrote up on the site um, in terms of what he might need to work on there. But that's why I think Murray is is really a great coach for the player that that Tatum wants to be. He doesn't have that same in and out cut speed that Mixon had. Mixon had, I mean, that's really an unfair comparison because Mixon was special in that regard. You know, there was a play that circulated before he got to Oklahoma where they're doing this little like a uh, like two on one drill. And he's got two guys and he is basically when they say in a phone booth, making you miss Mixon did that on this play, you know, basically put a guy on the ground, essentially uh, with how quick and how explosive he is. Tatum doesn't have that, but he's always leaning forward. He's always picking up yards. He, he reminds you of a, he plays almost like a Frank Gore, like a, like a veteran NFL running back who, who knows that yardage is important and knows that you're going to get to the next down. Caleb, um, could you sort of follow up a little bit of that? And, and also, I, what I see, what I think Barry has seen, is that he's just so patient. He's, he understands what his O-line is doing. So, Caleb, can you uh, – it's, it's, uh, we've let Barry go, so it's, it's, I'm going to go ahead and give the, the floor to you for, for your opinions now. No, I like Barry's stuff there. I, I, uh, I, th- I think – if I disagree in this, any, if any of it, to be honest with you, I, I probably see him as a, I can see why folks would, would hear the Kennedy Brooks comp and be like, Ugh. even though Kennedy Brooks is top five, I think all time leading rusher in the university. Wait, he's like the, he's like the, the mystery history. man, right? He's like, oh man, Kennedy Brooks is like, and he just, you know, he just went for another seven yards every play. It's he's like, just, he was just yeah. that guy that made everything look easy, but wasn't like super dynamic in anything. He was just, but the same thing. And I, I harp on this probably too much with running backs. I think when the guys, when those guys are scattered in particular, I think um, it's a little bit like quarterback, right? Uh, and we talk a lot about traits on this podcast, right? Particularly we talk we about offense, offensive linemen yeah. or tight end or D line guys, right? You know, D line especially very, yeah. very heavy on, on, on traits. And that's important to the running back position, but not nearly as important as some other things. So like kind of the same thing with the quarterback position, I think, you know, quarterback, everybody wants to fall in love with, does he have a big time arm? Is that quick release? Or what are these things when the reality is like, can he process information quickly and make good decisions like that will determine because for every, you know, there's a lot of Jeff Georges out there that had a rocket arm and a, I mean, Jamarcus Russell. Oh yeah. I mean, the old time bust, right? All time bust. Right. 
you know, can and, throw it like a, you know, 800 yards or whatever, you know, just, yeah. And, and so like a lot of what, you know, again, like made Kennedy great, I think is what he, I think Barry sees, uh, with Taylor Tatum is it's all the little things like to me, balance, foot quickness, right. Vision and primarily, and this is, I actually really like the Frank Gore comp. I was trying to figure out, like, I kind of think Cam Akers to some regard when I see him because they're about the same size or, you know, similar. Uh, I was kind of, kind of give the Cam Akers, but it's a some regard, like a, a Frank Gore pre-injury, because the thing that the last piece of that little run through there is for me, it's the ability to run through trash and to run through tackles and to do so without, let's say, you know, losing your velocity, right? Play behind your pads. Be, good, good example of that is like, think of the difference between Adrian Peterson and Darren McFadden. Both of them 6'1 and some change. Both of them came out 215-ish. Both of them ran 438, whatever it was, right? Very similar in that regard. But the reason Adrian Peterson is a first bout Hall of Famer and is whatever he is, top three, top five all time. Maybe the last Hall of maybe the last Hall of Fame running back, sadly. Yeah, no, I mean it, it honestly looks like it. He and Frank Gore will go in the hall, and that may be the last running back for you know, just the way it a, looks with contracts just, right now, maybe ever, right? You know, just uh, uh, mothball the, the the wing in the hall in the in Canton and move on. So yeah, and, you know, and Darren was great at, at you know he had moments in the NFL, but he was really great at Arkansas when he got the ball in space, could get the full stride, right? Kind of like had a, he needed a bit of a runway to get there, but once he did, he'd outrun everybody. But he also had this problem of on contact, his legs would go dead, right? Uh, on contact, his feet would just die off. And he, so he's a lot easier to take down. And you don't see that with Taylor, right? I see yeah. what I see with him is the ability to run through trash, like watch his highlight. And there's the clip. I think it starts at 40 seconds or 38. It's a 15 yard touchdown, but, you know, but he's same shoulder, same leg or same shoulder, same foot, rather uh, a defensive back that's coming up to fill completely runs through him. Uh, or a touchdown and you just see it kind of over and over. Uh, but now I agree. Like it's you, to some regards uh, you look at them and you say like, mm, is he a five-star because maybe some of these physical traits aren't there. I actually think all the physical traits are there. It's just, he's so good at the other things. Like it's the vision, it's the balance, it's the foot quickness that he makes a lot of stuff look really easy. And he creates a lot of additional space, you know, because of that vision and uh, acceleration. So he's, uh, he is fantastic really at everything, you know, from what I can see, it's perfect fit. Yeah. I remember that, you, you know, we, we spent a lot of time on running back recruiting earlier on in our podcast in the, in the spring, because we were trying to figure out where OU was going. And we went down the James Peoples, um, uh, Durham, and then some other running backs rabbit hole. And, and I remember people asking me, well, why aren't you talking about Taylor Tatum? I just don't think he's, he's not talking about OU. He's not, you know, everyone else is going to Norman and he's, he's not going to OU. I, I'd love to talk about Taylor Tatum, but um, he's not, he doesn't appear to be on the radar. So we, we, we spent, I mean, four months just sort of saying, you know, sort of, you know, same thing with a little bit with Danny Okoye, right? Yeah, I'd love, to, we'd love to be talking about Danny Okoye, but, you know, he's not going to OU. So it's kind of interesting that um, he went from not being off the radar. And then we got this like one interview from one site where Taylor was like, no, 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 I love OU. I'm going to go officially visit OU. And we're like, oh, really? Where, where, where'd that come from? Um, so, you know, I think it's interesting that, you know, on film, he, he looks like, you know, as you said, 
the name that sort of floats up a little bit, he's maybe not quite as big, but as there's this is a little Rodney Anderson. I, I see, I see with him just a little bit. If he if he gets up to like 210, 215, and he keeps all of his other stuff going, I could see maybe a little bit of Rodney Anderson with him. I mean, Mixon's been thrown around. I, you know, I think, I think Joe was just a bigger back at a high school. Uh, but I, funny enough, though, I, I will say this, an interesting thing, and I've probably I've watched Joe a decent amount with the Bengals. I think that Taylor probably does a bit better of a job between the tackles than Joe did of okay. just okay. his feet continuing after contact, him striking defenders. Joe was uh, Joe is like an amazing athlete, but obviously a better receiver. And a lot of people talk about he could have been like a five star receiver because of his hands. Yeah, and and the Bengals like ignored it for like four seasons. Like what, what dude, you have the best receiving running back in, you know, that we've seen in like 10 years. And he's getting like, you know, 10 passes a season. We're like, you know, what, what the hell are you guys doing? Um, yeah. And, and I'll be honest with you. I, you know, if, if I've thought about this, I'm trying to think about comps, trying to find like, where is one from a, so you try to look at like body type and, and yeah, all of yeah. these things. Right. I, I, I would be surprised if Taylor doesn't get north of 215 pounds. I'm assuming he's listed at 5'10 and a half, 5'11, 205. Right, yeah, right now. And he looks right lean now. for that. He looks pretty lean for that. He looks he looks lean for that, but he's a well-built guy. There's some pictures of yeah, him yeah, in yeah. the spring, you know, with uh, he, he's got, you know, he's yoked up in the upper body a little bit. And he's such a good baseball player. So we'll see, like, he's a legit baseball player. So we'll see, like, if the, a lot of his spring is spent starting on the diamond or if he gets right. all that winter conditioning. But if you told me he plays between 215 and 220, and is that Rodney Anderson? I think that's he's uh Rodney was very like and you could see it in some of Rodney movements, like how explosive he was. I think Taylor is maybe not quite as explosive, but he's smoother. But he's I see that. I can see the Rodney, I can see the Rodney comp. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh I uh, just want to thank Barry for joining us for the for the analysis piece of this. He's had to drop off and take care of some family, uh, some family events on a Saturday. So I appreciate him doing that. So, Caleb, you and I get to debate this question. So we're presuming OU stands pat right now. Uh, we're just we're just talking about the running backs committed to OU and on the roster. So, Caleb, fall of 2024, and we're going to presume Taylor Tatum does not enroll early because he's playing baseball. He's playing high school baseball, which I think is a a, a, a pretty solid, um, pretty solid uh, projection right there. Fall of 2024, stack rank the scholarship running backs for me. Oh, man, that's super. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like if I'm going to go out to 2024, like that's uh... – <sighs> And maybe not as hard as I think. All right. Okay. Are, are we assuming this class is send Pat? Or am I going to add Caden Durham to this class? For right now, we will assume we'll get to net. We'll get to that topic next. Okay. <laughs> an interesting topic. All right. We'll get to that topic yeah. next, but we're going to, we're going to just stand Pat for now. Only right now commits and scholarship running backs in 2024. And we're going to presume Marcus major is not on the roster any longer. He has either. Uh, expired his eligibility and moved on or or whatever. We, we just put Marcus Major out in a parking lot, all right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I think he – yeah, he's listed as a redshirt senior. I think he probably has his COVID year. So yeah, but, but – Throws again, everything into flux. Yeah. But again, but again, we'll, we'll put him in a parking lot. So the scholarship running backs – so don't worry about any walk-on running backs. And 
the two commitments we currently have. Stack yeah. rank them for me. Yeah, so I would say I would, Gavin Sawcheck is probably is going to be my one. Okay. I think uh, just seeing what we saw at the bowl game last year, uh, it's. Uh, I think it'll only get better. He's got you know the speed, uh, and as as he just as the game slows down for him, I think that's where he becomes even more interesting of a player because right. of his speed. So as as things slow down, his vision uh, increases. It'll he's a uh, he's you know he he was close to a five star, I think. You he know, was a five star uh, at one point, and then his yeah. rankings dropped, and it was a little bit of the COVID stuff as well, and just you know it was a lot of comparisons weird. to McCaffrey, right? With him, yeah, you know, same yeah. high school and all that, they yeah. saw the same accolades. So yeah. I, I, with him, I will go one, two. Okay. I'm actually going to say by 2024, Dalen Smothers has emerged, and he's the number two overall, which is kind of wild to say, because I really like Javante Barnes and I've seen how he looks physically this summer. He looks amazing. So like I may be just, you know, everybody remember this and be like, Caleb is an idiot. I agree. Like, yeah, uh, I probably am. Yeah, I mean like Gabe one, we we watch Barnes. He goes for 200 yards. He's running over folks. He's, you know, with his foot repaired and, and he's, he looks, you know, he looks more dynamic. He's, if, if, and, if things have guy, slowed down for him from yeah, a vision yeah. perspective and, and a guy just looks like a million dollars. So it's like, okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Number uh, three, number three. So if I'm going to go Smothers two, number three, I will go Javante Barnes. Uh, okay. And I'll put him, I'll put him right there. Okay. Uh, n- number four, you know, I, I guess it'll really be what his freshman year. It's, so it's really hard to say as a freshman that Taylor Tatum is going to come in because and be over Caleb Hicks because everything we've heard on Caleb Hicks is he's way he's much he's, faster than we thought. He's, he's bigger. He's yeah. His lower half, you can tell he's a thick kid. Uh, runs through you know runs through contact you know. So I, I got to give the nod there. I mean. You know, don't want to give too much away, but some of the things we've heard is, hey, Caleb, you know, Smothers has all this ability in the world, but if you tell me who's going to play this year and get reps, it'd probably be Caleb. So I'll any, say Caleb. Any, any kind of, and, you know, it's the running back position, right? Wear and tear is just obvious, but yeah, if, if something happens to Sawchuck or Barnes, knock on wood, we're not wishing anything to happen to any, any player. Yeah, I mean, I think Caleb Hicks is like, all of a sudden we're like, Sort of like Chris Brown, you know, kind of, you know, blew up in 05 because, yeah. Um, no, sorry, 06. 06. 06 when late in the year after it was late like DeMarco got hurt or, yeah. Well, DeMarco had had the foot injury, so he redshirted. Adrian was hurt and Alan Patrick was banged up. And then all of a sudden, the Baylor game, they just rolled out Chris Brown and he was like, went for like 200, two, I'm maybe exaggerating it, but we're like, who, who the hell is Chris Brown? And he's like, he's like rumbling all over the place. And, Scoring touchdowns left and right. I could see a little bit of like, who's Caleb Hicks? Where did this guy come from? Um, so, yeah. So, all right. So, yeah, I agree. Are you, and so, you think X Rob is probably redshirting to kind of redo his frame a little bit and probably and get, and get I, ready to be the power back after OU loses Barnes and, and, and enter that mix? And maybe, maybe 25 is when we see the, we see a, we see X Rob punish a safety in, a, in, in scrub time. Possibly. I mean, he is, he's a unique guy. And he says right? he's enrolling early. So he, he, he will have that leap ahead of Tatum. He'll be the younger running back in the room. Um, yeah. So yeah, he'll get a chance to. Yeah. I mean, so for me, like after I, so, you know, kind of recap there, I'd say Sawchuck one, you know, Barnes two. Uh, or I think it's mother's two. 
Smothers two, I'm sorry. Smothers two, Barnes three, Caleb Hicks four. I'll say Tatum five and X Rob six. But to your point on that, not only, you know, X Rob is an interesting guy because one of his size, how well, uh, how good he is, right? I think we all a little bit too much. We're underselling him as a running back a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he almost had like 3,000. He had, what, he has 2,500 yards rushing or something like that? 2,800 with the playoffs. That's what it was. So it was almost 3,000. 38 touchdowns and like a seven and a half yard per carry average. So Almost had 3,000 yards rushing. And he there was a lot of games he didn't play the full game because they were – because he'd already had – and he's playing you know. good. He's a good. He's playing a good schedule. I mean, he's playing yeah. a good, a good representative, um, not top, not the not the highest level of um, Oklahoma football, but the next level below it. He's playing good teams. Yeah. It's not I mean, like it's, he's it's uh, it's five A. Uh, it's not like he's like in Durant playing, you know, just just some lower competition. He's playing good teams in Oklahoma City area and the Tulsa area, right? He's going and, back. And- and dominating them at a, an extremely high level. Like some of his highlight stuff, there's the kick return he has where a team squibs it, he comes up and catches it. And I'm this is not hyperbole. I think one player jumps on his back and he carries him for three or four yards and then kind of just does a shoulder shrug and the kid falls off. Like that's the kind of stuff where I'm like, okay, that's impressive because in a go again, it takes some special balance and core strength and just strength overall to have a guy jump on your back in mid stride and you not miss a stride and shake him off, you know, and just keep rolling. So I, you know, I think I, I use this comp when we first talked about him and I've sent the picture I'll put it on the board everywhere. Watching his feet, I just can't help but watch his feet. Like, man, it looks. I see some Lindell White in him. And that yeah, was I a, think. that's a that's a. I mean, his NFL his NFL career is kind of you know tarnishes a little bit of how good he was in college. Oh, he was he was amazing. You know, and, and Lindell was I think similar to X Robin in this to this extent that all the, all the ability and tons of potential. And it really comes down to like, how focused do you want to be and how yeah. consistent do you want to be with, you know, diet strength, conditioning in these things? Like if you take care of your body, like I always, you know, it was, it was actually kind of funny because the Steelers had the two polar opposite human beings on their team. They had James Harrison who famously said he spent like almost a million dollars a year on all rehab and prehab, like basically right, right, right. everything he did, he pumped into his body. Then you had Jerome Bettis who probably spent like $400,000 a year <laughs> on like the most carb heavy diet he possibly could, you know? And so, uh, but you know, if, if X Rob takes that that approach, and he's already said that. Like that's what's really interesting to me. I've been a guy that and we I love like, Demarco with big backs, right? We know Demarco coached up Ramondre Stevenson, who is a maybe an interesting X Rob kind of comp. Big guys. Well, the the thing that like to me is like and, and, and Demarco coached him up. You know, Ramondre's like he, you know, Demarco made me a much better running back. I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, that's Jay actually- Bolware, Jay Bolware, not exactly. We're not exactly a huge fan of Joe Bellware, but. Kentucky, enjoy him. Uh, your coach seems excited about him. We'll, we'll, we'll just, we'll be the bigger fans and pass on that. So, all right. <laughs> so I, I kind of agree with your stack racket. The only change I would make is probably Barnes. And so I probably would go Barnes two, Smothers three. And I love, love myself some Hollywood Smothers. You guys know that I'm super high on him. And, and I just, I just, you know, one of the, one of my longtime sooner, sooner friends and fans, so it's not, not he's a fan friend is always saying, I'm going to steal his phrase. And he always says it's about running backs. And he says, it's like, it's a huge cliche. He says, 
If your dog is going to bite, it will bite as a puppy. And he says that about running backs. If running backs are going to be great, they'll be great as freshmen. Because of just because that, you know, they'll flash as freshmen. You'll see it when they're young. If they're not, you know, obviously Billy Sims kind of breaks that because it took a couple of years for him to get going. But just, but, you know, Adrian Peterson is like the classic example of that. DeMarco Murray after his injury year, like, you know, just the class. Well, I think DeMarco redshirted year one, but it was a lot of it was, I mean, Adrian was uh, going yeah, to his but, junior yeah, and, year. And you had Alan Patrick and yeah. you, you know, but he, he was also, his fit, foot was a little hurt. So, but yeah, so I think that's an interesting stat rank. I, I just, I'll be interested. I mean, Hicks could walk in and all of a sudden it was like, whoa, okay. Just force everybody to raise their game and, it could be it could be very interesting when you bring in a running back um, as talented as him, you know, with Demarco's ability. And again, you never know when your third string running back is going to be your first string guy. I mean, oh, that's that's the thing about it, right? Like we can look at it right now and we can say to yourself, "Hey, I think Oklahoma has good depth at running back with Marcus Major, you yeah. know, with Sawchuck, with with uh, with Smothers and Barnes and Hicks." And then I can tell you, coming out of camp, guess what? Don't be surprised. Even coming out of camp, like you could say, hey, yeah. Marcus Major is going to be done for eight weeks. And, you know, uh, Barnes, Barnes tweaked a hamstring. And now you're guy, looking. Yeah. Or a guy can't, you know, Marcus Major just has terrible luck. So let's hope it doesn't continue. Let's hope he has a, has a good. But your point, I mean, but yeah, we could just see like a, a BYU game, right? You know, 11th game of the year, all of a sudden, it's like, and, you know, and Caleb Hicks is, is trudging 20 carries for like, you know, 150 yards in a snowbank in Provo. And we're like, you know, okay, that's why, that's why you sign two running backs every year, right? That's absolutely, this, this is why. So, all right. So let's get to the real meaty question that you wanted to get to a little earlier. And I made you stall on is OU done at running back? Should OU be done at running back? Hmm. I don't think they're done at running back. And okay. like to not like leak anything on that. We have, you know, got some some word that things are still in play, not done at running back with a Mr. Like, with a maybe a kid that runs like 10 to ish out of the uh, Duncanville and area. It's, and it's it's an interesting it's an interesting battle. So but let's just let's I mean, I want you to put on your 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 you and I are always talking critically sort of like from a GM perspective on the class. Right. We're always yeah. talking numbers. And we OU's picked up at least one surprise roster building wise in the last two weeks, maybe two. Um, Jaden Jackson and and mm-hmm. Zion Reagans, right? Yeah. So one on defense, one on offense. So from your if your big picture roster management wise, would you take a third running back? Yeah, I probably would. Because like- of, of the injure injurability and I'm also a little worried about the portal a little bit with the yeah, portal, with those honestly. four do with this Barnes, Sawchuck, Hicks, and Smothers. I'm a little worried about the portal. Yeah, you know, to me, and it also like I'm worried about either the portal or like the you know the better case scenario is like we just kind of talked about here is you know let's say Oklahoma has Sawchuck and Barnes both go for north of a thousand yards this year and Oklahoma yeah. just runs the crap out of the ball right uh, and, and Barnes turns around and does it again as a junior he's gone to the NFL which means Sawchuck, that Sawchuck's not going to stay around either I mean, yeah he I mean, puts up back to back seasons 
we're only getting two seasons out of Sawchuck if he does that, right? Yeah, yeah. So with today, the way the NFL structured, you know, you know, hey, we're probably never going to go round one, but I know I'm going to get taken, and I know I need to go before I've been used up from a carries perspective. I know that. Yeah. So I, I think you kind of have to just focus it on like, hey, if you've got a good back, you're only going to get three years out of him. Like that's it. And uh, and and Durham is also again a not a spring enrollee. We know he'll be running track. In the spring of 2024, he won't be enrolling early. So that also pushes, you know, Tate, it kind of puts Tatum and, and a theoretical Durham, their debut season, a little more 2025 than 24, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. I think, you know, you could see, uh, you know, Durham in this case, if fast forward and he's a sooner, maybe there's some things they do with some, you know, hey, because you are you know, again, like world-class yeah. sprinter sp- yeah. speed will get you some reps here and there. So maybe some gadget stuff or we'll design some things to get you the ball. Reality is though, like, you know, that's maybe one or two times a game or like three times over two games. It's just not, you're not, you're not dialing up, you know, uh, when you have what you expect from a talent perspective, Oklahoma, you're, you know, you're, you're not going to dial up five, six play snaps a game for a guy. So I would say, yes, I would take them because of the, how the running back position works. And then the other reason I would take them is I think a lot of what Oklahoma does from a, a linebacker slash cheetah safety in those positions, there's just this flexibility between, Hey, you can play Sam linebacker or will, and we can kick you to cheetah. Oh, Hey, you can play free safety and we can kick you over to our nickel cheetah spot. So there's some flexibility where, you know, you don't have to recruit, you know, effectively, the third linebacker or a third safety as an independent position. You can just say, we're going to recruit some athletic outside linebackers. We're going to recruit some safeties like a Boganowski that can, you know, play downhill and thump. And, you know, depending on who does what, we'll we'll figure out how we want to play that, that Sam slash cheetah spot. So maybe that gives you some flexibility. And the other piece of it is, I, I thought this years ago from a roster perspective, being that you're limited to 85, Oklahoma's eliminated the fullback position, right? So you're not giving two yeah, spots yeah. to a fullback. So because you're not having to do, you know, two scholarships to, and don't get, don't get me wrong, like guys like Ripkowski, you know, uh, and Millard and, and all these guys, they deserve a scholarship and they're a huge part of it. It's just been a shift, but you're no longer having to give scholar, allocate scholarships to that position. So it frees up Theoretically, it frees up one to two spots, maybe three, you know, at least two spots that you can. And they're add. not they're not double dipping tight end, so yeah, yeah. I mean, you I mean you know, you could say, oh well, we're not going to sign an H back, so we'll continue double dipping double tight ends. But I haven't done that in the last two classes. No, they haven't. Doesn't, doesn't look that way. Okay, it's it's a it's a it's a fascinating topic. It just becomes it becomes even more fascinating just because you are at five wide receivers. You know, there are, but I can't believe I'm saying this and. And I can't believe it's realistic. There, I mean, there are eight D line in play for OU. I mean, you know, not 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 sucking the hopium, not like on some fantasy land, you know, trip where I'm imagining OU is going to pick up D line who they have no business picking up. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, we're talking. You know, there are six D line left out there who have all visited Oklahoma officially or unofficially. Um, and and our and OU is in the top either leads or is realistically in the top three for all of them. So it's it's tough. It's like you know um, trying to you know you're trying to find room for that. And then you know you and I both 
are just, you know, I, is, drooling might be a little excessive, but if we get that dream D-line class, you and I are just imagining Braden Platt behind it, just cleaning up, like, you know, just killing people. You know, the we jokingly in our, in our, in our moderator chat used, like, when Caleb mentioned that, I was like, I'm seeing Rocky Three, and I'm seeing, I'm seeing Clubber Lang saying, you know, what's your prediction for the fight, Clubber? And it was like, pain. So it's like, you know, I just see it like Braden Platt just sort of like sitting back there behind potentially, you know, a, a five-star loaded D-line thinking, you know, it's, it's good. It's, it's a, it's nightmare day for nightmare day for running backs uh, trying to, you know, trying to make a move to go you. So we, we desperately want you to get him. If, and we'd like to run, I love the running back room, but you add Platt to that and that, and that level of competition and what Platt brings just means, you know, maybe you have Sam Omosigo next to him at will and, and that, you know, and then you got Lewis Carter at, at, at Cheetah. And it's just like, and, and that's, you know, Carter or Carter and Platt are playing next to each other inside. And you got Omosigo outside. I mean, Carter and Platt next to each other at linebacker would be a smack people around double combo. I mean, yeah, particularly be, if, you know, like I've, we haven't whispered this name a lot because he's a bit of like a, the great white Buffalo for lots of reasons. Right. But like Dominic McKinley, yes, you know, we he's, have a kid, not. he's a kid from the boot, you know, and he's a five-star defensive tackle from Louisiana, Louisiana LSU once. So you're like, Oh God, could you ever get that kid? Yeah. And it's like, I'm, a, I'm it's like, I'm, I've just graduated high school and someone's telling me, yeah, McPherson wants to go to prom with me or something like, you know, to use an 80s, 90 reference or Polina Paraskova is like, yeah, I'd really like to go out with you. No, that, that, that's not happening. This doesn't happen. I'm, you know, I'm just this nerdy kid from Tulsa, you know, from Tulsa, from Tulsa. What do you mean the L. McPherson wants to go to the prom with me? It's sort of like, you're just not letting yourself believe it can happen, mainly because it's location, right? Oh, you, no one but Alabama has ever really pulled a five-star defensive tackle away from LSU. I mean, it just, yeah. it just doesn't happen. And, you know, as they're watching his film again, you know, like, oh, oh don't watch it. And then I'm, you know, and a and a weird comp comes to mind. I was like, "Is that John Henderson from Tennessee?" Oh, is he's that maybe, a, yeah. Is that maybe a comp? I'm like, okay, stop. Don't get, don't go, don't make comps, Chris. You know, don't you know, don't don't book the limo. L's not showing up for prom. Don't get don't choose your tuxedo. It's not happening. So and the, that's a, the, and that's the potential an actual, for what what could could arise. You know, uh, and then, did you think about him next to Stone and? two ends it's just like if, if you've got pj and and noary and and dan if you get danny okoye as well i mean i again I'm like yeah, beating yeah. the you know beat this well, that kind of, and the ou coaches agree with you i mean we know this from yeah the abuse of inside baseball sources from that stuff that our readers on our site have known for about six weeks the ou coaches think danny okoye is a top 30 top 20 type national talent at d-line yeah they, do, they just do they think he's Winery, McKinley, Stone, level of level of talent. And that's, you know, that's and that's no knock against anybody else, you know, against, you know, they, they you know, Nigel Smith is ultra talented. You know, we love Jaden Jackson as a nose guard. I mean, it's it's but you know, the this, reality this eight, is this, like the, this eight D line thing is it's just like I'm just like, okay, just but, stop, just stop. You know, but it's but it's possible. It's possible. And you know, there's rumors that McKinley has moved up the timeline. His mom wants him to decide before. I think I think there's actually a quote on the internet somewhere that his mom yes, has yes, even said, yes, like, hey, yes, yeah, yes. I told him I'd like for him to decide before the season. Either, I think it was but on three.com okay. had an interview with him and he was talking about that. So yeah, yeah it's it's his mom, yeah. It's it's floating out there and 
LSU is trailing and well, it's interesting. Like our, this is, you know, and go back like Josh at scoop. He said this for years and you know, he knows, he knows the game, right. It's like, you can oftentimes look at who is the most, not every time, but oftentimes look at what is the, what is the consistent threat throughout yes. the recruitment. And the interesting thing about names McKin- pop in with, and out with who's McKinley, who's yeah, always is. consistent. The interesting thing with McKinley is I think early on, you know, Oklahoma was like the first to offer and the rumors were, Hey, it's Oklahoma, LSU, Texas and Texas and will be involved. Then it became what we were getting from people was, Hey, it's Oklahoma and Texas, you know, and, and it didn't say and like the, and Georgia and Alabama are trying desperately to get in there and are not, are not cracking it. And this was yeah. back in, back in April when, you know, Georgia wasn't, and Alabama didn't have like five defensive line commits. Right. When they would still open them to a certain degree. And then you fast forward to now and like to your point on, on three, the, the, the talk there is, Hey, it's Oklahoma and Texas A&M. And so it's, to me, it's just interesting that in a seven month time span, it's gone from Oklahoma and LSU to Oklahoma and Texas, to Oklahoma and Texas A&M. And so it's like, okay, like, I don't want to dream that dream or hope that hope, <laughs> but you know, I'm almost saying like, could it be, could it really be? And, and you, and, you know, we know that, um, we know that things will get, you know, so I'm going to jump ahead real quick. And, and Caleb, right now, so OU's got a top 20 class by every service. And it's not quite, and it's top 20 because OU's only up 15 commits and lots of folks are like 20 commits, 25 commits. So OU has a top 10 class uh, by average recruit ranking. So if you took like the average recruit rank for OU, they have a top 10 class. If you just looked at a quality metric exclusively. so. So, Caleb, OU's got Eugene Brooks coming up, who is a four-star, um, low four-star, composite, high three-star. And I, I think that's going to change with his senior film. But right now, that's where he is. Only one service, I think, is really kind of giving Brooks where he, where he needs to be. Same thing with Jaden Jackson. Only one service has him as a top 200 player, which I, I can't quite really believe. But, you know, whatever. And then Michael Patterson McDonald is coming up on 731 with his commitment. I've talked to him. Interview coming up on our website. Really good kid. Um, just one of the interesting things, he says a lot of his best footage is his highlight reel because they weren't able to get footage of some of his better games. They're like, okay, well, I'd like to see, I'd love to see that footage. So I need to go back to his huddle and see if some of his game stuff is. Uh, he's got, he's got good ball skills. I'll say like he closes, he, does. he closes he really fast. He anticipates yeah. well. So yeah. I got to go back and look at that because I think he maybe he's being a little underranked. And then obviously, uh, the big show, the, we're not sure what time of day it's going to happen, but everything is pointing to Williams Winery deciding 8-1. And he would be the highest ranked OU defender since Gerald. Gerald was number three in the nation back in 2006. And was we go this last time, I think you talked about that the last time, the last number one overall recruit Oklahoma signed was Adrian Peterson. Yes. So, Winery's number one with on at on three. So he would be the last and, time. And OU, Omar was two in that class, I believe. Yeah, it was just, oh, it's just, I mean, yeah, it was. Um, so, yes. So we've got Williams and Aries. So, so Caleb, I'll just, I'll, you know, other than any other questions you want to talk about with recruiting for our fans here. So I ran the numbers and put in not the dream O-line class, but everybody but Umazulu, Umazulu. And I added Grant Bricks, and that's all I did. And on the 247 class calculator, that gives OU 290 points 
just those guys, which is more points than they ended last year with. I mean, so that's, 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 that's giving OU, um, sorry, uh, six more recruits, giving them 21 recruits. And that would give them a locked, if you know, the metrics will go up and down, rankings will go up and down. But if you just talk about when it happens today, if it was to happen today, that would give OU probably the number three or four class in the nation. I, yeah, and that's without anybody being re-ranked. Yes. Because I think Braden would probably do the same thing with me. I, I mean, I'd be happy. I, without a doubt, I'd, I'd fist fight anybody that says Braden Plass on a top 100 player in the country. I uh, actually, I would have, I actually, I would take it a different way. I'd have Braden just throw javelins <laughs> at them for me. So James, I mean, he's going to go throw. Is he, if you think he's a top 100 player, stand 200 yards, you know, a hundred meters away. And I'm going to have Braden Platt throw javelins at you until you did, until you change your mind. I mean, he really, he is, uh, he's, yeah, he's I, I, I don't, I, I mean, I don't, I, you know, just, I don't take this lightly saying this, you know, if I feel the same way about he and Danny, like Danny and, and Braden, you watch that and you're like, what are these people thinking, having them rank where they are? Like I, you know, and I, and I get everybody being in love with Sammy Brown. Uh, and I think Sammy Brown is a five. Oh, I think he's a fantastic right? linebacker. But yeah. when you when you stack up Sammy and Braden, you're like, okay, like you're picking, you're nitpicking on anything that you Between would say. Two. I would, Between I would two. tell you, like you put them like foot race and you have them run, like you you see the acceleration in the first ten. Braden's bet. Braden's going to be faster. Braden's going to be quicker. You know. So I would I would say the only thing that that, that previous class would you'd say, hey, they probably had this over them would be like Jackson. Yes, uh, you know, that's actually get up to get into the five top five range without a five star quarterback. That's that's kind of saying a lot. I mean, yeah, well, you know, you get the number one if, if you know, Williams continues as the number yes. one overall player of the country. I guess that would do it for you. But yeah, the, the thought that Oklahoma could land, you know, let's see, it would be you'd think about Williams, you'd say McKinley and Stone, you would have three defensive linemen that are five stars on various services, Yes, uh, you know. Yeah. McKinley, McKinley's it's it's a he will be a consensus five star by the time things are done. He just he just will be. I don't care where he's go. He can go to LSU, AM. If you called up and if you asked us, is Willie McKinley's is Dominic McKinley still a five star? I'd be like, yes. If Danny Okoye chooses, God forbid, Tennessee or Texas, yes, we may be crying on this show when we report that. We may have to, we'll be we'll be on video on YouTube. We may have to. I may have to just cut away and say, I'm, I need to, you know, I'm not crying. You're crying. We may have that moment, Caleb and I, if, if we have to announce that commitment. But it's, it's fascinating what's coming up um, in terms of where OU, I mean, OU, there's no way you can say OU does not have recruiting momentum right now. You cannot talk about adding the number one tight end, potentially Davin Mitchell, the number one running back. You added a speedster wide receiver by any any measure you want to use, Zion Reagans is one of the fastest players in this recruiting class. Uh, you add a nose, a attacking, penetrating nose guard, um, and you're on the brink of adding another offensive lineman, a big, big bruising offensive guard who has, you know, serious athleticism and potential. So it's it's cruising, it's cruising, it's OU has momentum right now. The Tatum thing was all over everywhere, front page of ESPNs. Uh, football uh, recruiting site in the little in the side column number one you know because everybody we haven't even mentioned this right like Oklahoma beat USC 
Like that's what it was. It was USC, Lincoln yes. Riley, and that staff. They believed they had him. They had him. They did have, in. Everything says they they probably had him. An OU. Let, let me ask you this, because I, I, I love this. Like it's just <laughs> so funny. Like as Oklahoma recruiting fans, think about what the last the last three years of Lincoln Riley's tenure was like every spring and every summer when every kid came in and the chatter on every board was they're going to land them all. They lead, they got them. I can't believe this. They're going to get them. They're going to get them. They're going to get them only to watch every one of those kids. Well, not everyone. If you weren't a wide receiver to watch everybody that wasn't a wide receiver, no, the, wide, wide, the wide receivers were actually the worst part. That well, they've landed them. And it just didn't, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, no, it's, this is why, you know, Somebody said, should OU continue to be recruiting um, Jason Zendamella? I'm like, well, I wouldn't stop. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's picked USC, but we know how that goes. I mean, I, I wouldn't stop. And if you were to flip that, and that meant you took six offensive linemen, I think that would be an absolutely fantastic idea and something you should do every day of the week and twice on Sunday. So, yeah. Oh, you yeah. should definitely. Bill should Bill should be sending cards to, to Zendamella every week. Yeah, he shouldn't stop that because you know on some level you know usc just doesn't hold commits i do find it interesting caleb that you know the i think the one thing that maybe pushed this over the top was the baseball difference ou going into sec baseball versus usc going into big 10 baseball and just the disparity between those two levels of competition i mean i I'm not a baseball college baseball follower, but I think it's been only one Big Ten team at the college college World Series in like the last five years. Yeah, you know the interest. I think you nailed it. Like I, I, you do not see it. It's been dominated by the SEC and the ACC. In fairness, the ACC's got you know, and the Big Twelve has gets in, gets entrance in, but it's yes, it's baseball's it's, become almost the regional sport in college, yeah, right? It is it the su- it is the southern to southwestern part of the United States, and that's it. Like that's where everybody goes and where everybody plays. And I don't know if that speaks to just a lot of kids, maybe, you know, my, my daughter plays select softball at at, at nine years old, 10 years old, which is ridiculous. That's (laughs) a whole nother rant I could go on. Uh, But, you know, I do know there's a lot of parents that relocate when their kids are really good in baseball or softball to Southern States because you can play year round effectively. So maybe there's something to do with that, but but the travel travel stuff and, you know, that used to be what like propped up California baseball. Yeah. So I looked this up because I was shocked as a kid that grew up in, you know, in really the nineties, right. USC baseball was fantastic or was good at least. Right. You'd see them uh, in uh, on you, the Arizona schools used to be great. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo, right. Like there were <laughs> yeah. Stanford was really good. Just, you know, I think Stanford still is, uh, but yeah. this, this was interesting. Ask, ask right? you baseball, how good Stanford is. Um, yeah. the, the last, the, uh, the last, college world series appearance that USC had was 2001. The last regional championship they had was 2005 and the last NCAA tournament appearance. The last time they made the tournament was 2015. So Taylor Tatum would have been 2015, eight years ago. I, I give or take, he's 16 to 17. Yeah, he, he was, yes, out of sight. He was, he was playing T-ball, but maybe he was playing little league, but he was probably playing T-ball the last time. And to your, you know, I've heard people talk about this with, USC, they said, well, you know, USC had this rebound year. They're really good this year. Oklahoma just made the College World Series the previous year, had 11 guys drafted, and I think they had effectively the same record. So in a rebuilding year for Oklahoma, in a right. far superior conference, they were 
the equal to better than what USC was in their rebound year. So I, I think and, it, and, and OU went to the I mean OU went to the College World Series. They were in the final game. Of course, they ran into a hot to a hot team, the, the hottest team in baseball, you know, at right. that point in time. You know, but I mean, you know, OU, when you compare it to OU baseball, OU looks like a you know, when you compare it to USC baseball, OU baseball looks like a powerhouse. I mean, oh absolutely. So it's interesting. All right. So Caleb, we don't have Matt to the sort of constrain us or constrict what we're doing. So is there any other topic on recruiting that you would like to like to have like five, 10 minutes on? I mean, we could dive in a little bit. I think we'll probably talk about Eugene Brooks next week. But yeah, I, yeah. I will say like I've dug in once the crystal balls started coming out, I've pulled up and looked at both his game tape. So what I watched yeah. first and I mentioned, I mentioned on here is like, that's just a big, that's a really good athlete in a big guy's body. Right, right, right. You, you see it just in how he, you know, how he plays. It's the H, it's the H back stuff that killed me. I'm like, Holy oh, crap. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's he, like, yeah, I mean, like how well across, he moves yes, yeah. across, the, across the formation. And then he's like, and then some poor DB and he's just blowing them, just blowing them apart. I mean, I was and like, the, that's, the not, that, that's not fair. Your age back being six, three, 330 pounds. That that's not, that's like NFL, not fair. Right. Like that's like a bill Belichick kind of like scheme thing. Like, Hey, Vince Wolfark, I'm going to use you as an age back on like a on short yardage kind of thing, right? Well, the Niners started doing that with Trent Williams. They would go right, to right. short yardage yeah, and yeah. put him in the H-back and put him in motion and have him murder somebody. I mean, it was like, <laughs> I'm surprised the local DA wasn't sitting outside the locker room going like, hey, buddy, like that's assault. Yeah, don't uh, stop doing that. Yeah, uh, but thing about Eugene Brooks, I have also, I've watched all of his camp stuff, all okay. of his camp reps at tackle. He's massively underrated. I actually, I, I'm I going into it. I thought oh, I kind of ignored him. I ignored him because I was sort of like, ah, hey, we're getting Poe. We're getting, uh, you know, we're getting all these guys. Hey, we're, not getting, yeah. we're not getting Eugene Brooks. Yeah, we're right. not getting okay. Eugene Brooks. It was he's going to go to Texas and, you know, yeah, know or, the Texas. Or Georgia or, or yeah. Cali or USC or Oregon. Yeah. He's, he's getting up somewhere else. We're not getting, not getting any California offensive linemen in this. Like, yeah, uh, we're not. You know, uh, so I, I'm interested if we can dive into that once he once he decides yeah. if it is going to be okay. If we want to talk one other subject, we could talk one. Okay. And that is just the overall inconsistency with how all of these groups have gone about their ranking systems. And it's a mess. The, the, the disparity between rankings is as bad as I've ever seen it. It's it not only is it extremely bad, and now you've tossed in on three that I, I assume they've got some some PE money that's helped them hire a lot of different folks that are big name. You know, they've they've got a runway. They, they, they take a blank sheet approach. It, not only that, what you see, and I, I mean, they've literally they've literally ranked um, Jeremiah Smith three. 75, 60, 16, and three. I mean, it's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, and I'm like, and he's he's not played a single football game, albeit during that entire time. I'm like, when I saw his footage, I was like, yeah, that's that's a top five. I, I can believe he's a top five player in the nation, right? He's gonna yeah. he's gonna Ohio State. He's not a sooner. We're not we're not homerish here. I'd yeah. love for him to be in, in in crimson, but there was never a shot at that. But I'm like, they dropped him to 75, and I think I literally wrote somewhere, oh, yeah, you're freaking mind. What are yeah. you doing? And they've done the same thing with David Stone. It's like, ah, uh, eight, six, seventy-five, or whatever. Seventy-five, nineteen. Oh man, you know, he's back at 10. It's like, and again, not played a single. I mean, I can understand like the gap between like first game his senior year and like last game his senior year. Like if you saw some, you know, you had that sort of in-game footage, but I mean, 
what is David Stone doing that, that he's goes, he goes, and that's just on three. And I'm not, we're not picking on him. I, I don't mind the blank slate approach because I think rivals is sort of like, well, these are our guys and we're sticking with those rankings and, and we'll only move them up in, and every, every ranking reevaluation, you can only move up so far, even though that's, that's, that's bullshit too. They change yeah. it. But I remember PJ had a worry last year. It was like, well, they can really only move up like 30 spots per, you know, per, per, per evaluation session. Like, well, why? Yeah. You, it was, you know, it's, it's, but yeah, you, the guys I don't understand are Brooks, Jackson. I, I don't understand Jeremiah Newcomb at this point, really. Well, there's um, a lot of them more. I and, just, I, and, and then I look at other guys. I'm like, really? You think that guy's that good? And then, and then Danny Okoye. And I get Danny Okoye a little bit with the whole the homeschooling bias. I, we need to follow up with Danny again soon. I really hope he's going to choose to go to the All-American Bowl in San Antonio. Um, he's got invites to both, but I think he was leaning towards that. I really hope he goes to that game. By the way, plug Taylor Tatum going to the All-American Bowl, and I think he'll, be, uh, he'll do very well there. Um, and, uh, and Jeremiah Newcomb is also going to the All-American Bowl, I believe. So it's, it's, it's like, okay, how are these guys getting invites to All-Star Games and you think they're 230 player in the nation? What I, what I just struggle with is, like, what is the methodology? I don't like on three. They, they have a, because of their owners, a former guy. I think he's the guy that started Rivals. He has a bit and, of a And 247. Yeah, he has he has a vendetta against rivals. So for their composite, they they it's like well, he really know. has a vendetta against ESPN. He's like, uh, you're like 10% of my grade. Rivals, yeah, like, hey, rivals, I'm knocking you down to 25%. And ESPN, you know, everyone asks me, like, well, what, what about ESPN's team rankings? I'm like, yeah, it is a subjective ranking they're doing whenever they feel like it. And yeah. it's it's not, it's like they don't even like pretending to say, oh yeah, we have a complex system of of math involved. 247 at least. At least but, shows them what they're doing. And rivals, you can reproduce rivals left and right, whether you agree with it or not. Yeah. You can oh, pull out an Excel spreadsheet and project a class. But I don't know what on three is doing. I tried to try to do a quick analysis of where I thought Tatum would move OU up, and it was close, but not quite mathematically right. So I don't know quite what all they're doing. But ESPN, it's like, and now they fired so many people. I don't I don't even know if they're gonna I, I don't even know how they're going to do their rankings. Um, I, I would assume they probably just probably start to use a composite ranking of the other services. And I mean, they and should. They're not, they're, not, they're, not, then, they're not putting enough effort into it. So yeah, why, no, why they're, bother? They're, they're more of like, they're more of a, almost like a signing day content for mainstream. You know, you can watch yeah, it yeah, on yeah, the day yeah, instead of having yeah. to stream it on YouTube or something. Yeah. But it's not even, you don't, you're, not, not, you're not subscribed to a regular recruiting site. So you're like, oh, well, ESPN should know what they're doing. Yes. Yeah. You know, and for me, it's not even so much about, you know, how they put together their composites and who they weight. Although I don't like the on three weight. I think it's, again, it's uh, shows a lot of like just ego and you're not doing it for the right reasons. You're doing it because for the business reasons, right. Which is actually, it's negatively impacting kids because these things really matter to kids, but all of that. And aside, that weird NIL number thing. Okay, oh, that, that's just, you, it's just, to me, that whole thing is just slimy, scummy. I, I get what they're doing. <laughs> Their whole thought process. I've sat in these meetings with P boards before. Uh, what is our, what are we going to, what are we building this on? What, what is a differentiator that we've got on top of everybody else? Well, Hey, here's this new thing that is really big in the sport. It's NIL. What we can do is we can position ourselves as the authority 
authority on NIL. And Shannon Terry will talk about it nonstop because he right. wants he wants he is trying to a social media push to be seen as an authority, to be seen as a voice that should be heard as it relates to NIL. I think yeah. I, I view him about like I view the lawyers that we work with. I feed you shit and keep you in the dark. Like <laughs> I don't believe anything you say. I don't think you know anything. Well, I, uh, I just, and the sooner I can replace you with chat GPT, which I've already been doing for our complex contracts, the better. <laughs> uh, but all that, all that rant regardless, right? Outside of that, it, to me, it's just like, what is the formula? And we could use Danny Okoye as an example. Like, what are you doing the rankings based on? Are you, are, are you doing this projected a projection based on, hey, we think you have the ability to be a draft pick? Or Davin Mitchell, right? He's a maybe even better than Danny, or he's every bit as good of an example where you'd say, okay, you project as a potential first round draft pick as a tight end in the, you know, 27, 28, or 29 draft. Well, why does him, if he was potential first round draft pick based on the traits and his ability, him him reclassifying means nothing. Just like if he redshirted in college, that doesn't impact whether or not he's going to be a potential first round draft pick. Like what he does on the field what he can do physically or what he cannot do physically. His he limits. hasn't gotten slower, exactly. smaller, or his, uh, no one's been chopping fingers off his hands. And there's just so many of these where you look at a kid and you're like, okay, like, and I don't mean to pick on, on, on this kid or to pick on USC. I just was shocked when I saw USC was ranked seventh. So I was like, well, who's their top commit? It's a kid out of Atlanta, uh, Camarion Fountain. Okay, well, he's six, five and a half. He's 237. Let me watch his film. I mean, go watch his film and watch Danny Okoye's film. I mean, Fountain, Fountain to me is like he's a three-star, and they have him ranked as a 48th or top 30, top 40, is a top 50 player in the country. And I know they have him ranked there because I'll, I'm sure it's a height, weight, speed. It's a physical traits thing. We think you have the physical ability, the DNA, but once that's developed, you could be this. Right, right, right. Okay. If you want to rank him on that, let's be consistent with how we do that. Let's take a guy like Danny and let's put him where he needs to be. If that's only 50% of it and it's just the film or the other 50% is the film. You see where I'm going, right? Like, no, what, no, we, it's, it's like, what is this weighted system? Are you going to go and, by what I see and on and, tape? And, and Danny hasn't gone to any, probably hasn't gone to any camps, right? He's yeah. been, you know, been doing and his stuff. It's sort of like, well, how has he gotten any? Okay, so if you're just using his senior, his junior year film, and that's all we're going off of. Well, have you just not watched it for four months? I mean, it's like, you know, is that you said, like, you know, so the thing that always kills me, and I, 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 I basically beat my head, um, you know, blind on this on Rivals. I just kept saying, I, I don't care what you, I don't care that you're ranking OU players up and down, but. I just want someone to tell me why and, you know, who is making, who is, who is in charge of the ranking for this player? How have they, what, what have they evaluated and when did they do it? Like, yeah. and give me an update. Give me an update. Who is ranking them? How are they ranking them? What, what process are they using to rank them in terms of like, do they see them in person? Is it a camp event? Like went to this camp event, saw them at this modifying the rating because of it. It's just yeah. sort of this, it's, you know, the, it's the, to me, it's the lack of rigor and, and process by any of these services. I mean, someone just asked me why the service is doing this. Why? I'm like, oh, you're asking me why the recruiting services appear to have no rigor or process. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I think, you know, I would, I, with, since it's being such a, since we're with on three, it's a very competitive environment, right? And on three basically just said, Hey, I think ESPN and rivals rankings suck. So we're gonna yeah. re we're gonna downgrade them in our composite. I'm like, 
okay. I mean, how Rivals hasn't done a composite and done the same thing to them? I don't. If I was Rivals, I'd be like, okay, we're not going to rank ESPN. We're going to do 34 for our rankings and you know 33% for the other ones. And oh yeah, guess what? We're going to make our rankings and on three 40% and I'm sorry, and two four seven 40%, and we're going to make on three 20%. I, mean, I don't understand why Rivals doesn't at least just fire back a petty cannonball and say. Hey, we're going to do our own composite ranking and we're going to devalue on three, you know, like in half or something like that. So it's, but it's crazy. I just, you know, I just, you know, it's so competitive now. You've got the three services. We saw the OU sites basically rejuggle all around in May. You know, Rivals went on three, two, 247 went to Rivals, and then 247 dug up the old James Hale um, Sooners Illustrated brand from the 90s. The the nine hundred number that um that that I that I'm that I'm afraid to admit I called once or twice to to get some recruit information and people when I was running my website would call it and then give me tips and they wouldn't tell me and then hey I'll be mad at me I'm like I I didn't know you said this so um for those that don't know nine hundred numbers used to be this really bizarre thing that existed in the nineties and be glad they don't exist any longer so um but yeah it's just they are competing so heavily. Why doesn't one of them just step up and say, you know, guys, for better or worse, we're gonna we're going to be transparent about our process and apply some rigor and some uh, and some and some data around it to make out to to be as honest about how we're doing things as possible, instead of like, well, Jackson Arnold was the 150 quarterback in the nation, 150 player in the nation, and and you know, and then like nine months later, oh yeah, now he's the number three. And to a certain degree, Arnold had elite eleven and some other data inputs that moved him up. So that's that's a little yeah. bit of a specious example. But his junior year film was pretty damn good. I mean, it's kind of like why in the world was he one fifty to be, to begin with? Like you know, sort of why wasn't he much higher? I mean, you watch yeah. his junior, you watch uh, his junior that, film, I, and it's like the dude's making freaking plays all over the damn place. I think that goes into. You talked about it uh, earlier in this combo when you said, you know, a lot of these get stuck where they say we're ranking these kids like this and they don't want to move them around a lot. You get some bias built in. Like the and Michigan, the Michigan quarterback, a great guy, but a lot of the service is still ranking. Um, it's Jade. Is it Jaden Davis? Um, Davis. And he, and he, he was, he was like the 15th quarterback at, at elite 11. Wow. So, you know, you move, you know, you move, you know, Crow and hook had a great elite 11, right? And yeah. he moves up, right? The FSU guy who we've been kind of tracking, you know, we thought, oh, you maybe was looking Oklahoma at Oklahoma offered, yeah. Of offered, you know, we thought he was a good quarterback. And he he vaulted up after the 11. But then Jaden Javis, you know, I'm sure the kid's a great, you know, good looking quarterback. I loved him on film. Yeah. He looks good. Um, but he didn't, he didn't do very, he was like top 10, top 12 at Elite 11. I mean, and now you're still keeping him the number third quarterback in the nation when everybody yeah. else is, when you moved up the Julian Saying kid. You moved him up to like number two based on, I mean, it's like, okay, so elite 11 means a lot for these guys and nothing for these guys. I mean, seriously, what's going on? Are you either using it or you're not? It's, it's. Well, I think it goes to a problem as well. Like they're, they're doing these rankings. And, you know, so and maybe, maybe Jaden Davis is the top 70, maybe he's the top 75 player in the nation. That's still very damn good, but right. you know, it's like, and I'm, and I'm, you know, so I may be picking nits here, but. You know, but you're you're the one saying that you know five stars and top twenties are this whole other category. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I mean it's like we we know that we know Danny Okoye cannot get into the top thirty 
unless she goes to an all-star game and embarrasses um, some elite offensive tackles in practices and in the yeah. game. And I think it'll, it'll, it'll happen. It's particularly right. in practice. We, we he'll, he'll go to that and he'll, he'll yeah, shine. Yeah. And they'll, it'll be just like with PJ where it was like, everybody saw that he should have been a five-star. The, the second you saw him moving, you're like, Oh, that's one of the twitchiest human beings I've ever seen. Well, that, he's, the got, -star game, he's got 10 like, foot long oh, arms. Oh he, yeah. He's not the top 30 player in the nation. He might be like the top three, number three player in the nation. So yeah, and, and that's for me. I, I'll go back to this, and I've kind of always been this way. Like, I, I like that's why I like to watch the film. I like to form my own opinion. I definitely will take in what I read and see, and, and other people's uh, scouting report on it. And I always want to know, like, hey, how tall? How, you know, how long arms? Like, you know, the measurables. What are these? What do these things look like? But yeah, that's why. I just for me, I got I trust my own eye on all this stuff because I don't. I firmly believe. 90% of these kids, these guys are not doing the due diligence of actually watching the film and ranking them based off of that. I do not believe they're sitting in a room and watching 10,000 hours of tape and saying, here's where I rank them and here's why. I think it's, they're ranking 26 kids right now already, and that will be the foundation for how they rank them moving forward. And they're ranking kids that have barely hit, barely have testosterone running through their body. Like the changes are, you know what I mean? It's, it's uh, yeah, so I mean, it's silly. Got, I mean, it's, we have a bunch, I mean, to talk about, well, we'll mention this a big topic for our podcast later this week. Hope you guys appreciate this Saturday version. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up. We're a little over an hour. Caleb and I literally, if we had time and didn't have our family members yelling us, could go like three hours talking recruiting here. Um, uh, the 25, 26 kids visiting this week is, is a big deal, but it is, it is funny that OU's probably going to have a half, a dozen, 26 kids on campus. And it's like, you know, you know, what's the 26 kid? Well, they just, they just were a high school freshman. Yeah, so wild. <laughs> it's like, it's like, and can you tell that much? Well, I think you could, you know, some, some DNA, some athletic skills. Yeah. Um, the only offensive lineman guy I think I would trust as a 26 offer is the, is the Cantwell kid from Missouri. Who's Oh God, dad is like a Olympian and he's already set. I think, I believe yeah. he has like the national record for disc or shot. For, yeah. He's, I mean, it's, and, and he's six, eight, two, he's six, eight, two seventy, And I'm like, okay, all right, sure. And it and is a, a, and it is a, like a really good looking six, eight, two seventy. And yes, he looks like, he looks like he's been on a college campus for a little while. He is a genetic yeah. freak. Yeah. I mean, so sure. There's some of those and, 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 you know, some of the skill guys, you know, absolutely. But it is, it is frightening that, you know, one of OU's targets is uh, Christian Thatcher in the 25 class, a linebacker from Vegas. And his younger brother, just like Sperry's younger brother is, you know, already being touted as like a top 10 quarterback for the 27 class. I'm like, what in the world? How are you? Never. What are you? And, he, and, he's, and he's like 6'2 already. And he's, you know, and he's throwing the ball around. And I'm like, okay, he's, he's an eighth grader. He sure as hell looks good, but you know, um, he, he hasn't, he, you know, he's still, he still, still has to get to second period French as his elective or, or, you know, he needs to get to his Spanish elective in middle school right now. What, what, you know, it's, it's just crazy thinking about it, but yeah, it's, it's nuts. It's, it's nuts, but um, you know, um, but it's, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting nonetheless. And uh Everyone, we're going to wrap up. Thanks, Caleb, for taking time on a Saturday. Thanks, Barry, for joining us to give us your opinions on, on Taylor Tatum. I think you and Caleb are, as, a, as a, an analysis combination, double, double play first, uh, you know, shortstop, double, second baseman in analysis. Give us, 
really great scope and, and opinions there. We'll be recording again this week. We hopefully be talking about Eugene Brooks. We'll be talking about all the players. We'll be talking about what might happen with uh, Michael Patterson McDonald. And right now we are, we're nine days away, I think, from a williams Venary commitment uh, event. Matt, we will have as much coverage on that as, as humanly possible. So there, there's, there's a cataclysmic recruiting event happening on August 1st, potentially for OU. And, but I'm, and, I'm, and it's something that hasn't happened in 18 years. So I think I can, you, I can, I can use every hyperbolic comment, hyperbolic comment I want about that. So thanks again. Please subscribe to our site. Please subscribe to our podcast, uh, 360 Sooners, uh, the, the Sooners 360 Recruiting Pod on iTunes and all platforms. As I butcher it there, saying something something different. But our site, please, uh, please visit our site, subscribe, and please follow me on Twitter for more information at CM underscore Sooners360. Thanks, everyone. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.